Hey guys, welcome to the Short Term Show special episode series on one of my favorite markets of all time, the Texas Hill Country, Hook'em Horns. So guys, we're gonna do a 10 episode deep dive on investing in the Texas Hill Country. And we got 10 episodes here, I just said that, but make sure you hit that subscribe button because we are gonna do a quarterly update that you don't wanna miss, you guessed it, every quarter. And we do have some supplementary materials for y'all in addition to the content on this podcast. We've got those over at our website, theshorttermshop.com. So if you wanna know anything about purchase prices of properties in these markets, or we've got all of the income data, thanks to our friends over at AirDNA. And we've got all of that for you again at theshorttermshop.com. If you guys wanna buy a short-term rental with a short-term shop agent in the Texas Hill Country, email us at agents at theshorttermshop.com and we will hook you up. Or if you just wanna hang out with us more and talk about short-term rentals, there's a few ways you can do that. Uh, We've got a great Facebook group, same title as my book. It's called Short-Term Rental, Long-Term Wealth. Or if you wanna talk to us live on Zoom, we have a call every Thursday. You can sign up for at strquestions.com and we will catch you guys over there Hook them longhorns. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Short Term Show special episode series, this time on my favorite place in the world, the Texas Hill Country. I've talked about this on previous episodes. If you want to email Luke and convince him to get on board with me buying in a new market, please do that. It's Luke at the shorttermshop.com and use the subject line, get on board with Avery buying in the Texas Hill Country. Uh, Because he just does not want to build a new management system because we don't own anything out there yet. But it's my goal. Anyway, today we're talking about building your buying team. So all of the services and vendors that you'll need to get through your contract and also how that you'll need to manage your property. Got a couple awesome people here to help us do that. So first I'll introduce Stacy. You guys will know who she is, but uh, Stacy, go ahead and introduce yourself real quick. Sure. I am Stacy Lancaster and I am the Texas Hill Country short-term shop agent. Uh, longtime real estate investor. We've done long-term rentals, short-term rentals, um, fix and flips, and now short-term rentals are my passion. And we have three that I self-manage remotely. Awesome. And next we have Rashmi Bhatt. Ma- Rashmi, will you uh, introduce yourself really quick? Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on here, Avery. I started my real estate journey because of you in 2020. Oh, <laughs> podcast and so it was awesome so uh, I actually partnered with my parents and bought our first deal out in Fredericksburg we are in the county so we're not in the city limits um and it we thought the rehab would take three months it took us eight months and we we're over budget over time and everything um but it's an incredible property that we we got um and then um the month we launched that one we bought our second deal with uh we partnered with our friends and so we have two units in the city of Fredericksburg um, and then we came out to the Smoky Mountains and my husband and I bought a property out there. And then we went over to Broken Bow and then bought two deals out there. Uh, so we're in three different markets um, and it's been incredible for us. Oh, awesome. I'll have to get you on the Broken Bow one too. We haven't started that one. Well, thank you so much for coming and you've been really successful in a relatively short period of time. So congratulations on that. Way to go. Thank you. It's all because of you. Thank you. Oh, oh, the, you did all the heavy lifting. I'm happy to have helped in in some small way, but you did it. You set us on the path. Like my husband is just like, Avery, call. Okay, awesome. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Um, all right. So let's talk about building your buying team. So if you are a new investor and you say, okay, I think 
I want to buy something in the Texas Hill Country. Where do I start? So it's kind of a what came first, chicken or the egg scenario when it comes to do you find your lender first or do you find your agent first? A lot of agents, if you call them and you have not uh, gotten a pre-approval yet, they they won't uh, work with you. I think that's kind of a dumb rule. Like all you have to do is say, hey, I don't have a pre-approval yet because I don't know which lenders work here often. Can you recommend me one? And I will get that. But some agents are like, uh, you don't have a pre-approval? Uh, call me when you get one. Like It's okay to, to ask for help. So uh, sometimes you need your lender first. Sometimes you need your agent first. Uh, it just is kind of up to you which direction you want to go. I usually go agent first and then see if they have any recommendations for local lenders. And we'll get into, I'm going to talk about agents first, and then we'll talk about lenders and we'll get into local and non-local and all that. Uh, but first of all, when it comes to agents, um, a lot of general real estate investing podcasts will say the agent that responds fastest or answers first is the one you should go with. And in a scenario like this, in a market like this, where there's a lot of different micro markets, I think that's really bad advice because the agent who happens to be standing in front of their phone with nothing else to do is not necessarily the agent that is most familiar with the regulations. Like Fredericksburg, you there's certain areas you can't be, be in, you have to be outside city limits. Uh, and there's lots of little nuances to, especially in this market. So that's A, that's bad, bad advice. Um, and how to... How to even find an agent to start calling? So I would say the best best place to find agents is there are a number of, I mean, there's bigger pockets forums. There's usually local Facebook groups for short-term rental hosts in different areas. But I would say start with Facebook groups and make sure that when you're asking for recommendations on Facebook groups, you're clarifying that you only want recommendations from people who have actually worked with that agent. So people who have actually bought with that agent and would use them again. There's a lot of, uh, what are they called? They're called fan clubs where people pay to join them. And then they what they do is they go in all the Facebook groups and they say, okay, if anybody needs an agent in this area, we're all going to recommend you. And then you're going to pay all of us X amount for doing that. And, and same thing. So a lot of times... When that happens, if you're if you're posting in a Facebook group and you're getting a lot of recommendations for the same person, make sure that you're asking those people, hey, have you actually bought a deal with this person? Because if they haven't, it's really difficult to to say, you know, that it's a legitimate recommendation. Um, what else? Uh, so let's ask you guys. So what do you, when you're buying, want to hear from an agent, specifically? In the hill country because that's what we're talking about so what are you looking for so i would say i'm looking for somebody who knows short-term rentals um who knows the markets who knows the regulations like you mentioned uh who knows what's going to do well as a short-term rental versus you know maybe a good deal but it is not going to attract people to rent those are kind of my primary criteria yeah a and agents who who are busy um and I, here's why. So you and you guys, if you've listened to other other markets of our podcast, this is going to be redundant redundant for you guys. So sorry about that. But um, I like to see that an agent is busy, not because that necessarily makes them better or worse independently than any other agent. But when the market changes, an agent who does a lot of deals. So an agent who did 30 deals last year versus an agent who did like three or four last year. 
that agent in 2021 who did a hundred knew if you went to them, okay, you're going to have to make X offer. You're going to have to go Y above asking. You're going to have to remove this contingency or that contingency or make it as is. And they're going to know because they're making offers all the time because they're really busy and they're seeing what works and what doesn't work. Whereas an agent who only does three or four deals a year, if you went to them in 2021, might have said, oh yeah, you know, offer 20,000 under asking and see what happens because that was something that could be done in 2020 or beginning of 2020, 2019. And they just haven't done enough deals over the course of the past two years to really have their finger on the pulse of where the market is. And then same thing this year. So one of those agents that only does three or four deals a year, well, they got a taste of the market in 2021 and middle of 2022. And so they would probably advise you now, okay, you're going to have to go over asking because I've done three deals in the past two years. And this is what worked then when actually the market's completely changed and you can totally negotiate now. So uh, I, I get a lot of not hate, but um, some, some, uh, maybe some hate from real estate agents who are not super busy on social media that when I say this, they're like, you're not better than me because you're busy. And that's not what I'm saying. It's just ex experience in the market and experience in the market now and what exactly is going on. So agents who are doing a lot of deals are seeing exactly what is working and what's not working, how far you can typically get off purchase price. Every seller is going to be different. But that's why I always say you want a busy agent. And of course, you want the agents that know the short-term rental market. So even if they were really busy last year, but 95% of their deals were primary homes, that's a completely different mindset than working with a short-term rental buyer. So uh, you know, they might say, oh, look at this house. Look how beautiful it is. This is going to rent great. But the house next door that might be a little cheaper, but maybe a little less impressive might actually have a higher return. It's just not as impressive looking as the expensive one. So we definitely want ones that have that short-term rental experience and that do short-term rentals often. Um, because again, there's a lot of different regulations and the different mi micro markets in the Hill Country. So for example, there's probably a lot of agents in San Antonio and Austin, the two closest metro areas that would tell you, oh yeah, yeah, I, I do the Hill Country. I can I can cover the Hill Country. They probably can cover it. They can get there, right? And they can write a contract, but they may not do deals out there often enough to really understand you know, what's going on with the market. So um, what else in terms of agents? So, so I can- uh, uh, yeah. Oh yes, go ahead. The client perspective. Um, so- what I look for when we, so when we started buying in Fredericksburg, like there were no short-term agents like out there. Like it just wasn't like a thing. Like you you went to a real estate agent that had maybe a property management company they've worked with. And that's just like kind of how their market is. And I think the Texas little country has a long way to go in terms of self-management um, that's coming up. But what I look for now after having done, you know, eight deals is does this person understand short-term rentals? Do they have short-term rentals? Like, have they bought any deals of their own? Um, and do they self-manage or do they have a property management company? And it doesn't matter to me what they answered, but I need to know that they have a property and that they have the systems in place. Because my first question when I close a deal is, who's your cleaner? Who's your handyman? Who can get this rehab work done for me? And who is good? Because I don't want to pay somebody that runs off with my money. Um, And so I need all of these local people there. And so I that's what I look for in a real estate agent. They need to have their own deal or have sold to other investors. And I will call their other investors and ask them like, hey, how's your deal doing? You know, can I see your Airbnb link? What does your property look like? Tell me a purchase price. And I need them, I need my real estate agent to be transparent with me going, 
hey, this is my property. This is what I bought. This was my numbers. And this is how good it's doing. Or if it's not doing good, like, tell me why. Um, and so that's what I, I kind of look for as a client. Yeah, all that is really, really valuable. Because if you're buying, especially as an out-of-state buyer, if you're buying in a market and you don't know anyone, it can be really hard to find decent contractors, decent cleaners. And you're kind of, and a lot of times it's not as simple as a quick Google because a lot of these smaller vendors don't have websites and things like that. So again, same thing with the Facebook groups. Uh, that's a great place to start if your agent doesn't have specific recommendations, although they should. And again, same thing as with the agents, make sure sure that you are, uh, I know we've seen in some of our, or not some of our groups, but some groups that I'm in, make sure that the people who are referring people are actual past clients and not like their cousin or their aunt or whatever. That's like, yeah, I'm going to go pimp you on all these uh, <laughs> short-term rental host groups so that you'll get business. So make sure you're always taking referrals only from people who have done business with those people. Um, last and thing I wanted, on I wanted to oh, weigh in on um, something you said, you know, about there are lots of agents, you know, San Antonio, Austin, who can sell in these markets. Uh, but the risky run is the regulations are so specific. Like you can permit uh, in certain zonings within Fredericksburg. However, the zoning process or the permitting process can be really long and it's no guarantee um, so if you are, you know, working with somebody, they're like, oh yeah, this is, this is eligible for permitting. Um, and you buy a property and then find out four months into the process that you can't get a permit. Um, you know, you're, you're really putting your finances and everything at risk because you're not going to be able to do with that property what you want to do. So it's really, really important for that agent to know the market and know the various rules within each market. Absolutely. And the last thing that I want to hit on before we move on to something else is I like to look at an agent's social media. So there's certain things, and maybe I'm, since I am an agent, I'm getting a little too in the weeds on it, but I, agents that post pictures of properties that are pending, but not under contract, that is a gigantic red flag to me, especially in the past couple of years when everything was really, really moving really fast, do not call attention to my deal that is not closed yet, period. Like don't post it on the internet because what'll happen, and I've done it to people, <laughs> like uh, when I've seen when I've seen other agents in my markets that will say, oh, just got this pending and I know how that agent works. And maybe my buyer wasn't aware of it. Maybe my buyer says, hey, this house looks cool. Should we make a backup offer? And then you go make a higher backup offer to the seller. I mean, you, you don't know what the initial offer is, but you go make a really good offer. And um, then the seller is now not willing to negotiate with the current buyer because they want to take your offer because it's better. So they get to the inspection and they say, no, we're not doing anything. That buyer terminates, you get it. So I don't want to see any calling of attention to deals that are under contract, but not closed. Like closed is fine because it's yours then. But like, don't tell, like, just don't post it anywhere because the last thing you want to do is call attention to a good deal with one of your followers or whoever's following this agent when your client's under contract on it. So that's one that a lot of people don't think about that really bugs me. And then the last thing is like the using of like negative language. Like I'm a pit bull. I'm a fighter. I'm going to like, I, that to me says that they are not going to, not going to negotiate well for you because when you're negotiating, you have to make the other side feel like they're getting something. You don't, I think it's a very like, uh, ex uh, 
I should not say this. It's a very like boomer way to go about things of like, okay, I'm going to go in there and bust heads because you're not going to get as much as if you're like, hey, you know, here's where my client is. This is what they want off. They can't go above this or else it really doesn't make sense. What can we do? How can we make this work for both of us? That's going to get you a lot further for your client than just going in there and smacking people around. So I, I, I don't like those kinds of words when I'm looking at agents. I want an agent who's got a good relationship with the other agent saying, hey, you know, we do deals together all the time. How do we put this one together? That's good for both your client and my client. Anyway, it's enough about agents. Let's talk, unless you guys have anything else to add about agents before we move on to yeah. lenders. Relationships in this market are key. You know, there are so many times when another agent will send me an off-market deal just because of we've had a good relationship and we were able to kind of come to a win-win uh, on previous um, negotiations. So relationships are key. Yeah, I am with you. I don't like the bulldog agents that are difficult to work with and um, just don't make it easy. For, they don't They do not do a good job for their clients when they do that. Nobody's calling somebody who's been an asshole to them when they have an off-market deal. Yeah. Like if we, if we get something, I'm going our clients first. If none of our clients want it, then I'm calling a couple agents who have been great to work with over the past few years and saying, Hey, we don't have anybody for this. They don't want to put it on the MLS. Do you guys have anybody and get it done that way? So you're absolutely right. Okay. Let's move on to lenders. So what trying to think of how I want to word this when you are looking for a lender guys who, what kind of, what are you looking for? So you're just going online, going to like a big online lender or a local bank or what are we doing? So for our deal, uh, we went to local lenders. Uh, we did the 10% down on the first on the lock cabin that we bought. And then on the second deal that has two units on it, uh, we actually had to find a commercial lender because we bought it in an LLC. Um, and it was a great process because we got the loan in a commercial like LLC and then the property's in an LLC and then the permitting is in an LLC. And then the the guy who the president who wrote the bank loan like he drove by this house every day for 40 50 years so he knew exactly like, when we saw the address he's like i know it i know i know it how well it does not a problem let's underwrite it um and i feel like if we'd gone outside and done a national you know lending agency i think we would have run into more issues yeah commercial banks are very they can be a really really amazing option uh, but they're going to have to be either local to you or local to the property. And they're going to be more flexible than the big national lenders. It's It can be really difficult unless like what you said was a perfect example. If they're familiar with the property and familiar with you, you've got a much better shot of being able to get them to do that deal than if you're like some random person from Maine who's like, hey, I want to buy this deal in Texas. Uh, will you finance it for me? And that, you know, they want you at least or the either you or the property to be local, but preferably you because they want to start a relationship. Just like Stacy said, relationships are very important uh, in real estate. And local banks like that want you to put some money in their bank. They want to know maybe you're buying more than one because again, they want that relationship. If you're coming from Maine and saying, well, I'm going to buy one house in the hill country and then I'm going to buy another one in Alabama, they're probably just going to say, yeah, I don't think this is for us. So Really great example of that. Um, regional like mortgage brokers too are a great option, uh, but local does matter in for the same reason that it matters to use a, a local agent because they're familiar with the market, they understand the types of properties, and there are nuances to every market that maybe a big national lender might not understand or or might not be not necessarily understand, but might not be familiar with. It could trip trip up the deal. Um, I usually would ask my agent 
hey, do you have a few lenders that you recommend around here? And I'd go shop around. Um, you know, there, there's a number of different types of loans you can get. We've got an entire episode on financing later, but there are a few short-term rental specific national lenders that are pretty good if the if it's not any type of a unique property or a condo tell or anything like that. If you're just buying like a house or a cabin, you're usually pretty good with um, those I'm totally fine with. But you know, regional mortgage brokers, local banks are, are always a good way to go. Um, definitely ask your agent. Also, those local Facebook groups are a great place to source them too. But again, make sure that these people have actually done loans with the people that they're recommending. Um, but you definitely want to make sure that if the lender isn't hyper local, you just want to make sure that they have done the type of deal that you're trying to do in the market that you're trying to buy in often. Same thing as agents. You want them to have done a lot of it. So it's not like, oh yeah, this is my second one in the hill country and I'm not quite sure you know, what to do if this happens. So they wouldn't tell you if they weren't sure what to do. It would pop up at the end of the deal and probably mess your closing up. So um, anything yeah. else on lenders? Yeah. I, let me just um, say short-term rental expertise is key in this market, uh, especially if you're doing an investment type loan. Just because the appraisal matters a lot and how the appraisal is conducted um, matters a lot. And if you have a lender who's not experienced with that, and I've had this happen once or twice where the deal fell apart at the end um, and we had to switch lenders really quickly because they didn't have that expertise and didn't have the, um, the you know, the numbers didn't appraise or the short-term rental like it needed to, or they didn't run the appraisal that way. So it's key to have that experience. And, and there's lots of um, you know, local lenders. Banks are great. I always go to local banks, if especially in a complex type of situation or where we're having um, you know, some issues possibly with traditional financing. Uh, local banks are always a, a good option there, but short-term rental experience um, for the bigger regional you know, lenders is key. Totally agree with that. And as you're shopping lenders, uh, when you're asking people about interest rates, just random Facebook people, keep in mind that interest rates are a lot of times dependent on what your credit score is. So even if you're seeing different interest rates from people that are using the same lender as you, that can be, there's a number of factors, but um, your credit score does make a big difference. So I've seen people like start to get in arguments on Facebook groups before about, um, about their rate. And then it's like, you have to admit that your credit score is not that great. So um, anyway, and uh, definitely talk to three or four lenders, see they're all going to have different products, see which one's going to work the best for you. Uh, sometimes there are, when one lender says no, another one will say yes. So definitely shop around and rate isn't the only thing to keep in mind. There's other factors that can make a difference, like the term of the loan type of loan, uh, what it takes to qualify, things like that. But we'll get, we'll get, we'll dive deeper into that on the financing one. Um, but again, just make sure taking re references from people who've actually used them, uh, and any any other questions we need to ask lenders besides have you done a short done short term rental deals often around here or what do you think? So I have unique structures. So I have a lock cabin in Fredericksburg, and nobody builds lock cabins in Fredericksburg. Um, and then the other one used to be a goat barn that they converted into. Um, so they're <laughs> all like unique deals. So that that was part of the reason I went with local lenders. And the other cool thing about local lenders is you can ask them to. Hey, can you appraise 40 grand higher? Because here's all the work I'm going to put into this property. And can you lend to me at a higher amount? Um, and so both of our lenders lent to us at a higher amount than even what we're under contract for. So we had to bring less money uh, to close. Um, and then we used that fund 
to fund our rehabs. So oh, that's, like, that's awesome. the way you can kind of, and again, just talking to these local lenders, I think they're, they're willing, they want to see their community succeed and do better. And so they're willing to work with you. Yeah. And I'll add to that too. I haven't done, to be honest, a commercial, like a true commercial loan on a short-term rental yet, but I've done it on multifamily and they will do things like we're, we're like, Hey, you know, this needs a, a roof. It's going to be like 50 grand because it's a weird flat roof and they will finance that into the loan. So they're, they just financed it at 50,000 higher, gave us the cash to get the repairs done. So um, commercial lenders like local banks like that can do flexible things like that would never fly with a conventional loan. They can't do that. They're not allowed. It's against the law. But uh, it's with commercials, they have a lot more flexibility because they're not uh, bound to Fannie Mae and Freddie guidelines. All right, cool. So you've you've got your agent, you've got your lender, you've made an offer, you're under contract. So the next person you're going to need is your home inspector. So uh, Rashmi, how did you find your home inspectors in the different markets that you've worked in? I always ask my real estate agent, um, gone three different offers and, you know, kind of gone with, I'm like, Hey, this is the big state presenter. What do you think? And they're like, Oh, I've worked with this guy before. He's great. And they're like, real estate agents, if you have a good one, they will be brutally honest. They're like, do not go with this guy. <laughs> home inspection. I'm like, don't do this. Um, and yeah, that's how I've always done it. Yeah. Same with you, Stacey. Yeah, exactly. I just go with what my real estate re agent recommends because they've, they've done deals, you know, and they've worked with these people a lot and they know what a good inspection looks like and what a bad inspection looks like. So that's the best source of truth. Totally. And when your agent gives you recommendations, um, definitely call like what I don't want to see you guys do that. I see a lot of, a lot of people do just to save time is tell their agent, um, I don't care. Just schedule me whichever one you like the best. Just get it scheduled. So you always need to be calling these vendors yourself and vetting them. It's great to take recommendations, but no one else should be like technically hiring them besides you. You need to call and speak with them and make sure that you guys get along. Your communication skills or not skills, your communication styles are similar and um, that you like this person and that you feel like this is the best person for the job. Uh, don't just say, oh yeah, you you just schedule it and I'll, I'll look at it when it's done. Um, you always want to be hiring your own vendors, no matter where the recommendation is coming from. Yeah. And I've had um, clients on the other side of the spectrum who were like, didn't want to take a recommendation because they thought that I had some kind of a partnership or something with a uh, inspection company. And like, we're not affiliated at all. I don't, you know, I, I get nothing out of um, recommending them. I just know that they're great and do a good job. So there's no, you know, there's no nepotism in home inspections. Yeah. And one thing I want to hit on related to that is that so a lot of people think that about real estate agents that they recommend certain people because they're getting some kind of a kickback or something. Guys, that's not legal for real estate agents to take kickbacks. And I mean, it's not worth losing your real estate license and your entire livelihood to make like 200 bucks from a home inspector. Um, so that's, I've never, ever heard of that actually happening, but I can see how, you know, somebody who hasn't bought a lot of houses before would, would worry about something like that, but it's totally, totally not legal and would never uh, by any stretch of the imagination be worth it for a number of reasons, least of which losing your license. Um, and then also not taking good care of a client and then, you know, damaging your own reputation. Like mm -hmm. it would be cutting off your nose to spite your face for a few hundred bucks. So, yeah. um, that's not something that I typically am worried about, but that's also, you know, that's why you call all of the recommendations that you get and see which one you like the best. 
Uh, anything else on home inspectors before we move on? Okay, cool. So I'm going to talk about appraisers for a minute because some people are a little confused about this I've seen. So people can sometimes think that you hire your own appraiser and they ask for appraisal recommendations and they want certain people to do it. So especially if you're getting a conventional loan, nobody has access to the appraisers. There's all kinds of rules in place because of 2008 preventing any real estate agents or lenders or buyers or sellers from influencing the appraisal at all. So the way it works is the lender, there's like a, a pool that a lender will put a call out for and put a job out and the appraisers will drop in and pick it up. So the lender doesn't pick the appraiser either. They just put the job out there into the appraiser universe. I don't know what the system's called. I'm calling it the appraiser universe. And an appraiser picks it up. They go do the loan. They go do the appraisal. And that's the end of it. So we don't have any control over who the appraiser is. You don't have to worry about that. Uh, your lender will just put it out. They'll pick it up and um, and do that for you. So we don't really deal with that. But I wanted to just hit on that because some people there, there's been some confusion about where appraisers come from, really. So, um, all right. So we've made it through our home inspection, made it through our appraisal. We're about to close. Uh, so at this point, we're looking for the vendors that we need to be able to get this thing up and running and moving. So what vendors do we need guys to get this thing? And we don't have to dive too deep because we've got a whole episode on this, but who do we need once we get to the closing table? I would say cleaners, handyman, and if you need rehab contractors, those are like the three main people. Lawn people. Yeah. And where are we finding those people typically? So I find everyone through Facebook groups. I have like an entire note and an Excel sheet. Like every time <laughs> somebody asks like, who's your favorite landscaper? I'm like writing down everybody's names and numbers. And I have like a whole master sheet um, and it gets updated like daily, basically. Yeah, then, that's, I mean, you have to do that. Yeah, I just go down my list. I'm like, if you don't pick up, if you don't pick up, if you don't pick up. Yep. Yeah, yeah that's the best way to do it is just have a list. Anytime a name gets mentioned, just put it on the list. Even if you don't need that vendor right that second, it's just good to have for when you do, because you will at some point need all types of vendors. But uh, to start, I would say you need your two core people and you can build everything else out from there. But just like Rashmi said, local Facebook groups are usually the best place to find that that local stuff. Um so you need your cleaner and your handyman or woman. Those are your two core people. If you can get started with those two, they will know the other more specialized vendors that you need, like HVAC techs, roofers, things like that. Uh, I've always started actually with just a cleaner and gotten handyman recommendations from them. Because when we started, like there weren't there weren't Facebook groups. There wasn't anything. I had to go, it was back in my day, I had to go to sit at the gas station in, uh, what is that place? I can't remember what the street it's on. Anyway, I had to go sit at the gas station in Sevierville. That was like the last stop before you get out to all the cabins where all of the cleaners and handymen would be coming and going. And I would stop anytime I saw somebody with a truck with trash bags in the back of it, I would be like, are you a cleaner? Can I get your number? And so that's what I did. I sat there because this particular gas station has really good uh, biscuits and like breakfast stuff. So everybody goes there. And now we have these wonderful Facebook groups and all these ways to make it our lives easier to find these people. Man, those Facebook groups are are helpful. So um, yeah, that's where I would start. Cleaners, handymen. Um, I think that's it without getting into other episode 
content. Uh, again, what do you guys ask when you're interviewing a cleaner, for example? What are you looking for? Yeah, in, in this market, I ask if they have short-term rental experience because a long-term, a, a regular cleaner and a short-term rental cleaner are two very, very different things. Um, so that's the key thing um, that I ask is if they've done short-term rentals, if they are focused on short-term rentals, um, that is my goal is to find somebody who, you know, they only do short-term rentals. Yep. I'll add to what Stacy said. I look for that. Um, I also look for somebody who doesn't need to get paid after every clean. I need somebody who can hold for a week or two weeks. Um, cause A, I just don't have the time to pay them after every single clean. Um, but professional cleaners will have that bandwidth to hold out for, you know, two weeks or a month so I can get them paid. Um, and yeah, I make sure they have, um, a bunch of other short terms that they do um, and they have good reviews and uh, I will try if I'm in the area to sneak by and see if they've done a good job uh, but if not I'll just rely on my guest and I use what you told us Avery on another podcast which is just ask your guests like hey how was your clean we had some new cleaners even if they're not new cleaners <laughs> and I'll be like does everything look okay <laughs> and yep. systems systems are key too um because <laughs> I, I had a cleaner once that didn't have any systems in place. And literally I had to like text her my calendar, um, you know, every couple of days and that's, nobody has time for that. So, um, you know, I, the cleaners I use now use resort cleaning and my calendar sync up. So they automatically, you know, get the clean set up when I get a booking, uh, they know exactly when each turn needs to happen. And so systems are really important for your cleaners too, because it'll make your life a lot easier. Yeah. And I definitely think you want to make sure that because, hang on, I'm getting ahead of myself. I started my second sentence before I finished my first one. So you really want to make sure that you're hiring a cleaner who does short-term rentals, probably only some markets. It might be a little different where there's not as as deep of a labor pool for that, but uh, you, what you don't want is somebody who has only done cleans of primary homes because it's an entirely different process to turn a vacation rental than it is to clean a primary home. And that's not a process that I want to have to train. So, And you probably don't either, especially if you're new, especially if you're new, because you're not going to know the process yourself yet. So definitely focus on cleaners that, that do vacation rentals often that already have a few. And um Think about what their processes are. So I like to ask them what their process is and kind of compare it to how mine is. Uh, because what I don't want to do is come in to, with somebody who knows how to do their job and does a good job and is efficient and say, well, my process is this and I want you to follow my process. And then it totally throws them off, makes them not as efficient, makes them probably like not, not love you. And I want my cleaners to love me. Uh, I want everyone who works for me to love me. I don't want them to not like me. So um, I, I want to make sure that our processes are similar and that I'm not trying to like make them start basically start from scratch with their process. I want to be able to work with what they're doing. And, you know, maybe I need one or two things just slightly different. We'll make little tweaks, but try not to hire somebody who's going to be doing something completely, completely different than what your process is, which again, you also don't want to come in and with bad expectations of what the processes are, because I've seen a lot of people who are like, okay, I have this 7,000 point checklist that I want you to go through and check off every single time. Like they're not going to do that. Nobody wants to do that. Nobody in the world wants to be micromanaged like that. So make sure your process is not ridiculous too, uh, before you, you go in, uh, with interviewing cleaners. I'll add one more thing to that. And this is really true for Fredericksburg and the Texas Hill country. 
Oh, I ask my cleaners every time I bring them on, like, hey, are you guys local or do you have somebody local that can be here and help us? Because a lot of cleaners don't live in Fredericksburg, they'll live in Curvo. That's 30 minutes out of Fredericksburg. So if I have an issue and they're like, I'm already home, I can't help you now, that's an issue for us. Um, and so especially because the Texas little country is so big, it goes all the way from Jonestown, Leander, all the way down to Fredericksburg, and it goes beyond Fredericksburg, too. So you just want to make sure your cleaners have people on hand if something goes wrong when a guest checks in um, and they're able to get there. 100%. And oh, and another thing that I see people get really hung up on is they, they're like, I want a one person show. I don't want a team. I want one person every single time. Now, why I can see why someone might want that consistency, but why is that probably not a good way to go, guys? You don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. That's the only reason we're not only on Airbnb, we're also on Verb, <laughs> we're, we're on Direct Book, whatever you want to call it. Um, the other thing is I like cleaners that have a few other cleaners under them because if one person's sick, somebody else is getting in there and covering the clean and I'm not out there dealing with things. Um, and then the other thing is husband and wife couples are great to start out with, but you definitely want to branch over. Like, you know, when I had husband and wife cleaners in the Smokies, if they were out, like I'm panicking over here trying to get somebody else. Uh, but if there are four or five, 10 people underneath them and you have people who like to clean your property, but there's backup people too in case... Somebody gets in an accident in case stuff happens, your property's covered um, and you can get it cleaned really easily. Yeah. And I think that you kind of, in order for a cleaner to actually be able to make a living, they're going to need multiple properties. A lot of times that are turning on the same day. And if you're limiting someone to, you know, it takes, I don't know, two hours, depending on how big a property is, maybe more if it's a bigger property. Uh, you know, if, if they've got four or five turns in a day, they can't do that all one person. They have to hire and leverage and you have to be okay with that because you as an investor are probably hiring and leveraging and you should not punish your fellow entrepreneurs for doing the same thing as long as the people that they're hiring are following the same standards. So they have to make a living. They can't, they're not, you cannot ask someone to not be able to make a living because you want them to only clean for you. That's absurd. So don't be absurd. Um. All right. Last few things, any other vendors, um, any other people you need to manage your property locally that we haven't talked about yet? One thing I like, and this is not super common, um, but I personally have found it super helpful in running my business is having somebody I can call like a local boots on the ground person that just will either run errands for me or if if I've got an issue um, or if I, I'm kind of concerned that my cleaners are not doing a great job, can pop in and inspect after a clean. Um, or, you know, I or setting up Christmas decorations, things like that. I not all cleaners will do that. So I have a local um boots on the ground person who just charges me almost nothing and will just run errands. You know, or if I say, hey, I need XYZ uh for the cabin or, you know, or for the property, they will run out and get it for me and um, take care of it. Yep. Yeah. I'll add to that. I have a person like that. Uh, sometimes the internet goes out, it needs to be reset. Um, just tiny little things like that, that um, they'll go out and be like, gosh, me, your cabin's falling apart. You need to get a handyman out here or whatever it is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think they know the properties better than I do. And I think that's really important that your, your head cleaner is like, Hey, they're, they're taking care of general stuff and they're not in their, you know, physically clean the property, but they have people underneath them so they can work on the bigger stuff. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, all right. So I think we've kind of gone over all of the potential vendors that you'll need. 
Um, yeah. Can you guys think of anything else that might be beneficial in terms of team, in terms of team building for our listeners on this one? Not on team building wise, but I, I encourage everybody just know your market. Like the Texas Hill Country is really big. Canyon Lake performs very differently than Fredericksburg. That performs really different from the Smokies. <laughs> so I think it's really important to know what market you want to be in um, and how you do. And I think property tax is a big sticker shock for a lot of people investing out in the Hill Country. Um, so kind of budgeting for those kinds of things and knowing, I think it's a fantastic market to invest in, um, but you just have to know your numbers. I totally agree with that. I think that is a, a mic dropper. So thank you guys so much for being on, uh, listeners. If you guys want to buy a property in the Texas Hill country, just like me, uh, with Stacy, you can email us at agents at the shorttermshop.com. Or if you just have more questions on short-term rentals in general, then you can meet us over on our live zoom office hours every Thursday. You can sign up for those at strquestions.com or you can join our public Facebook group called Short-Term Rental, Long-Term Wealth. Same as my book. Thanks everybody.